Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for listening. we got a great show for you today. Country singer Justin Moore joins us. He is a massive Arkansas Razorbacks fan. We're going to talk about Arkansas hiring his buddy Sam Pittman. We're going to talk about how he's trying to get on the basketball team because he is pretty deadly from three-point range and why his current hit, Why We Drink, is the song for our time in quarantine. Here's Justin Moore. What you drinking? Can I get a uh, shot of whiskey and a cold beer, please? So, why do you drink so much? Because it's Friday, because it's Monday, because it's a charcoal burning Sunday. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show Celebrity Interview Edition. This is this is good. We we have coaches, we have athletes, so that's that's the normal stuff. But now we're getting into real bona fide celebrities. Justin Moore, star of country music, fan of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Do it, Justin, do I call you a long-suffering Arkansas fan? I I, I just gotta know what what have the last two three years been like for you? Man, they've been they've been difficult to endure. That's that's for sure, you know, and, and, and I've seen us go through, you know, really, really good times and, and really bad times. Uh, you know, I'm I'm 36, and so I, I remember, you know, in really all sports, or the major three sports, if you will, I, I remember, you know, really, again, really, really good times, and, and I've obviously been through some – some bad ones like we're going through right now, but uh, as far as football is concerned, man, I, I'm uh, I'm really optimistic um, about Coach Pittman, and I know him personally, and have become friends with him, and know his work ethic, and and how good of a coach that he is, and um, you know a lot of qualities about him that lead me to believe that uh maybe we're on the the path to uh, to getting back to some uh, you know some good things on the football field so justin you you probably wrote and and probably weren't thinking about this when you recorded this song because we didn't know what was going to happen in the world but why we drink is your current single and <laughs> if there ever was a, a song for our times and it has been playing in my house since uh, before your folks reached out to us about this interview. It, it, as soon as the email came in, I was like, oh, man, we, we got to talk about why we drink because I've added some new lyrics over the last few weeks. And uh, Have you thought about updating it to, you know, maybe because it's Tuesday or because it's 9.37 a.m.? Yeah, I'm with you, man. My, my day drinking has, has gotten earlier and earlier each day. <laughs> Uh, I know you, you like me, have little ones. So, like, I'm telling you, I thought I had a great appreciation for our our teachers, but uh, that certainly has been magnified over the last six, seven weeks. And um, that probably is the most difficult thing that we've been dealing with is, is schooling. You know, you and I used to carry the one back in the day. They don't even do that anymore in math, man. Oh, it's oh, crazy. oh. We got the Singapore math thing going on in my house, and – I, I had a, a little temper tantrum the other day where I said, I don't care how they do it in Singapore. This is how long division works. And it works every time. 
Yeah, I told my 10-year-old the other day, I go, I can give you the answer, but I don't know how you're supposed to get to it. Like, you know, so. Oh, it's, yeah, and, and that, that gets you into margarita time or uh, the beer. <laughs> I, we, exactly right. we added a fridge in the garage because we wanted to make sure we weren't going to the grocery store a lot. We wanted to just go stock up and, and come back. The, the problem is that fridge has just become all beer all the time. Yeah, I hear you, man. So, uh, Justin, you, you grew up in Arkansas, huge Hogs fan. You mentioned you, you were friends with Sam Pittman. I, I heard you say on an interview you were friends with him the first time around when he was there with Brett Bielema. And you, you said you kind of wished you'd known he wanted the, the head coaching job so you could have helped lobby for him. How, how excited were you when you found out that's going to be the guy? Uh, really excited, man. And, and it was a, kind of a strange, um, I guess, process or strange coaching search, which they kind of all were th- this off season. It seemed to be, you know, like the Ole Miss one and the Mississippi State one. They were all kind of odd. Yeah. Um, kind of comparatively speaking to, you know, the way that it, it always has been. And um, so, yeah, I, I knew that I knew that Sam uh, and his wife Jamie uh, loved Arkansas uh, because, like I said, uh, my wife and I had become friends with them when they were here the first time, and I knew that they, at some point, wanted to um, retire, according to Sam, and in Arkansas. Um, but no, I I really didn't know that he had any interest in in the head coaching job and. I don't know that I I would have been able to help in any way, but had I been able to, I, I certainly would have tried. And uh, when he did get the job, I was I was really really excited because the the thing about Arkansas is, man, you know we've had really good teams in the past, and uh, you 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 can have really good teams at Arkansas, but it takes a little something extra, I think, from the head coach and uh, the fact that. Sam is just as big an Arkansas Razorback fan as I am, you know, growing up here, I think can can help in that sense. He is that little bit extra. You need that. You know, Houston Nutt had a lot of success here. He grew up in Little Rock. He knew about what the Razorbacks were about. Um, you know, and, and different guys over the years that have had success here um, – you know, uh, have have had a little something extra than just being a great coach or a great recruiter or a great uh, scheme builder or whatever. So um, I, I'm really, really excited. And, yeah, exactly, to get back to your original point, I, I certainly would have helped if if I would have helped. I don't know that I would have helped. I might have heard him, but, but uh, I certainly would have tried if if, if, uh, if I had known that. He, he was beloved in Arkansas as an assistant when he went to Georgia. I know it broke a lot of hearts, but we, we had him on the podcast right after he got the job. And this was right before he hired Kendall Bryles, but you could tell he was moving that direction offensively. And I was really intrigued by it because he, he's obviously a great offensive line coach and, and I love offensive linemen. And I think, you know, that's, that's a niche you can have at a place like Arkansas. I thought Bielema did it pretty well when he was there, but he wants great offensive line play with a modern offense. I, I, I think it's it's a good recipe, and I think you're right. That little extra where 
you know, he grew up across the border in Oklahoma, but was an Arkansas fan and had Lou Holtz, you know, banging on his door at camp. That that's a that matters. That stuff matters when you're talking to recruits. Yeah, it really does, man. And you need and kind of just to kind of add on to what I was saying, you need something at a school like Arkansas, whether it be you know, Petrino was here and he he won big because he schematically did things differently. Um, you need something like that, or like Brett did. You need to, you know, focus on the O line or whatever. And and I'm still great friends with Brett. Also, I talk to him almost every week, and um, he did some really really good things here. Um, but you need something to hang your hat on, and uh, and Sam is just such a likable human being. Um, that I, I think he may be able to recruit um, at a level here that that not a lot of people have been able to do. So I'm trying to do the math. Uh, you said you're 36. Is is one of your first sports memories, Nolan and, and the Razorbacks winning the national title, Corliss Williamson, Scotty Thurman, that, that group? Yeah, I would have been like 11 then. Oh, so that's um, prime time. So, yeah, man, it's so so. It's so weird that I took my I took my two oldest daughters who are ten and eight to a a game a basketball game uh, last year, and we won the game. It was like an exhibition game or whatever. But uh, uh, and then we went. You know, we, we, I don't think we made the tournament last year. We went to the NIT or whatever. I'm not talking about the current year. I'm talking about previous year. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, and so my oldest daughter said, "Dad, have we ever been good at, at basketball?" And I'm going. It was just so sad to me. I go, "Yes, like we were perennial, perennially. I don't know if I use that word correctly, but um, we were a top ten, top fifteen team my entire life until the last, I don't know, fifteen years, if you will." Um, you know, we were, we were Duke, Kentucky, uh, we were in those conversations, you know, in my entire life. Uh, and that was, you know, from the, the late eighties through basically 2000 when I graduated high school. And so, um, absolutely the national championship, um, I was, that was the perfect age for me. And, uh, you know, it, to get back to my original point, that to hear my ten-year-old who plays basketball and plays softball ask me that, I was like, "Yes, I promise you." Like we were really, really good, you know. And and all that being said, uh, Mike Anderson, um, who I have a ton of respect for, inherited a a really, really tough uh, spot, um, you know. And, and he did a lot of really great things for us and. And brought us back to a place that, uh, um, you know, nobody else could have done. And and again, like Sam, he's such a Razorback fan um, that he was able to do that. But I really feel confident that uh, Coach Musselman is going to kind of take us beyond that. I mean, he's he just signed the number six class in in the nation and uh, all four guys, four stars that are from the state of Arkansas, which is something we haven't been doing is signing guys 
you know, we have a lot of really good basketball talent in the state of Arkansas, and I don't know why that is or how that is, but we do. Uh, but we haven't been signing them. So it looks like Coach Muss uh, has kind of figured out that secret. And I, I feel really, really uh, confident and positive moving forward with Coach Muss. Well, let's let's talk about an Arkansas native who can stroke it from outside. I saw the video that you sent to Coach Muss <laughs> because you do have your eligibility remaining. You went you went straight into the music business, so you you've got four years remaining. Let's talk about this because you are deadly from outside. Andy, I, that- did, I, I got to work on my release, brother. I just get I got to get a little bit quicker release, man. And I can't jump over the the, the three point line. So you, you got to create uh, space. You got that. that long, you got to get a crossover that creates some space for you. It, as long as I got plenty of time, I can knock it down. But uh, it, I can't jump over anybody and 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 let it let it fly. Well, it, it's it, it's impressive. And 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 now your daughter plays hoops. You said. Mike Neighbors, the the women's coach at Arkansas, he he runs that you know kind of Paul Westhead Showtime era offense. So if she can shoot it from the outside, you know there may be a scholarship opportunity there for. Her. Yeah, she's she's uh, I will tell you at ten years old she's a she's much more athletic than I ever was, and I was a really good athlete. I'm not, and I don't mean that to be boastful, but. I was I was really good at at basketball and baseball and and uh, she's much 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 better than I than I ever was uh, already at ten years old. So so were those your two big sports growing up? Were you uh, you because you're, you're what in five seven eight? You were the point guard on your basketball team. I was, and then my senior year I moved to shooting guard because we had a point guard that that moved in that could kind of. He, he could do more things that I could do. Um, and so my coach came to me and said, hey, what do you think about moving to the the two? And I said, well, I've always played the one. He goes, you can shoot more. I go, all right, cool, I'll move to the two. <laughs> and so um, I got more, you know, corner threes wide open because he could penetrate and dish it and do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we won, we won state my senior year. Uh, wow. I mean, it was 2A, you know. Uh, of, of seven classifications, but it was still a lot of fun and something that we, uh, you know, my friends and I who played on that team still get together and tell the uh, the big fish stories, if you will. You know, so you were already playing music at this point, though, right? You you had you started playing professionally by the end of high school? Not professionally, you know. I I, I grew up playing in and singing in church uh just to be quite honest with you simply because my parents made me um and if you grow up in a town of 300 people there are not too many uh people who who can sing on key i mean just to be honest with you and so you know the leads and the plays and that kind of stuff in church uh went to the guys and the gals who could who could do it and you know do it on key and and so that that was me a lot of the time and and again my mom and dad uh kind of forced me to do so and and i did so kicking and screaming but looking back on it obviously i i I enjoyed it um and then i i started playing guitar when i was maybe a senior in high school um and um and really did that only so that i could uh at parties and that kind of stuff play a song and sing you know 
just what like was the song whatever, you would, would, whatever you Hank Jr. The, song or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's like, what I was going to ask. What, Country Boy you, Can't Survive or yeah. you know, whatever, something like that, you know, or Dixieland Delight or, you know, that was really why I picked up the guitar. And then, you know, fortunately, it's it's helped me throughout my career that I did. So how how does it work where you, you move to Nashville, you, you get into the business? I mean, there there's because you graduated high school what, around 2000 or so, right? And And didn't release your first single until like 2008 what what happened between those years yeah so i moved uh i, I graduated high school in 02 uh moved to nashville oh man uh i think september of 02 um graduated in like may of 02 and, and moved there in like september of 02 and then um you know played shows that i could book myself driving a van and a trailer and lugging my own gear and the whole thing. And, um, I was fortunate when I moved there that I did have my, my manager at the time, who's still my manager. Um, and, and, you know, it, it used to be where record label executives would kind of stumble into bars and, and, and discover, you know, Waylon Jennings or, or Willie Nelson or, you know, Hank Jr. or what, whatever. But it, at the time that I moved there, it was kind of, it, it was a lot different than that. And so you kind of had to do it from the inside. So uh, between my manager and a guy who's produced all my albums now, um, I, I made contact with uh, a guy named Scott Borchetta, who's the head of my record label. And we just kind of hit it all. And, it was right around the time he was opening Big Machine uh, Records, um, and kind of the rest is history. I signed my record, say, which deal is a, a huge deal in country music. Big Machine, it is, man. Yeah, he, he, you know, Scott's Scott's super talented and 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 got just such a great ear for for great music and and um, really talented artists and and semi talented artist like myself who he thinks he can do something with and um yeah man it, it, it we just i had been to be honest with you andy i had been turned down by every record label in town um they they had said you know thanks but no thanks and i was back home in arkansas visiting my folks fishing and and my producer his name's jeremy stover he's produced every one of my albums called me and said hey I think you should meet this guy. He's interested in doing something with us. And I said, man, I'm at home fishing. Uh, I, I'm good. Like I was thinking about moving home and, uh, you know, back to Arkansas. And, and, uh, this was, you know, early 07. And, uh, he goes, I, I really think you ought to come back and meet this guy. So we, we met at a bar, man, and had a beer and kind of hit it off. And he said, man, I'm starting this record label. If you'll, uh, you know, hang in there with me. I'll give you a record deal. I said, all right, cool, whatever. And and then signed it in 07. And, and um, we had our first big record in 08, Small Town USA, and, and released our first album in 09. Well, so, I, I, the first single that you put out, I, I was listening through the, the playlist that you put up on Spotify that has your entire discography. And I didn't realize where this fell in the in the 
in the order until I was reading up on you, but I could kick your ass. I I love that song and I love the the thought behind that song. The <laughs> the there's that guy, you know, he he thinks he can he can get steal your girl cuz he's he's got some money, you know, he he looks good, but when it all comes down to it if we have to, I kick your ass. Yeah, it's funny because my producer, who I've spoken of over the last couple of minutes, he he, uh, he had a guy hit on his, his girlfriend like right in front of him at a bar. And he he had written like the first verse and chorus of that song. He goes, we, we got together to write a song. And he said, man, let me play you this. It's funny. And I go, we got to finish that. He goes, oh, no, I just did that as a joke. And I go, no, we got to finish that and put it on my album. And this was probably, I don't know, 05, 06. And uh, so we finished the song, and it kind of became a, a, a staple of uh, our first album. I mean, obviously, because of the nature of the song, it wasn't on country radio. But, um, you know, it, it, if we don't play it every night, you know, when we got to play shows... <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. We, I was gonna we, say that's uh, got to be one that brings it down in a live yeah. show. So I mean, it, when we, you know, we would be booed off stage. You know, it, it became a, a a really big hit, if you will. You know, even though it wasn't on radio. Well, and you, that was about saying you also had backed that thing up about the same time. Which uh, I I have this thing about songs that that have a similar title to a. Uh, to a very famous song, maybe from another genre. Uh, like I got really mad when Rob Thomas did a song called Overjoyed because when I hear the song Overjoyed, I'm assuming it's going to be the Stevie Wonder song. So I, I popped ears on it. I was like, did you talking he, about Juvenile? Did, did he cover Juvenile? <laughs> like, no, this, this is a song about backing up a pickup truck, but a lot of, you see, now country music is the greatest double entendre delivery system in the history of the world. And, so your back that thing up is about learning to drive a, a stick shift pickup truck, or teaching your girl to drive it. But wow, you you got a you got <laughs> layers upon layers in that thing. Yeah, you know that that was actually our first single to country radio, and and I, when I was in let's see, when I was a junior or senior in high school, uh, use a big fine woman once you back that thing up. That was a big. Oh, absolutely. So, my, my senior year of college was huge. Yeah, and so when I heard my song, Back That Thing Up, I, I just thought it was hilarious. And I thought, man, all my buddies will get a kick out of this. And uh, we put it out to, to, to radio as our uh, first single. It went, I think, to 38 and, <laughs> and went all the way back down just as quick as it got to 38. And, um. And so, um, I, I think it was just a, maybe a little bit before its time as far as, you know, how brave, uh, radio was being at the time, but, uh, I thought it was funny and got a kick out of it and wasn't a big record for us on the radio, but it, but it did kind of give people a glimpse of my personality and, and, um, kind of set us up for the, for the next single. And at the time, man, you know, if you... It's different now, but at the time, if you had, um, you know, one or two singles or three in a row that, that flopped, like that one did, you got dropped. I mean, it was it. 
that was all all she wrote nowadays it's a little different but so when we when the label wanted to put out small town usa after that song i thought i don't know man i i, I dig this song because i wrote it about how i grew up and where i grew up and all that but i don't know that you know it's going to appeal to the masses and and fortunately i was dead wrong and it was a big record for us it, it it is amazing what what hits and what doesn't and and it's interesting listening to you guys talk about these things because sometimes you know but sometimes you just really don't know what's going to work with people and with the country musicians i always wonder you know cuz you guys deal with country radio which is ha- you know it's its own animal and you're right it was it was a much more conservative place when when you came out now that they, they seem to be willing to play a lot of different stuff but were you wondering, oh, am am I ever going to find a way to fit here? Um, no, I don't know as, as a whole if I was thinking that that way. Um, I always thought I I kind of had a, a a voice, and I don't mean my singing voice. I just mean I, I thought I had a place as a lyricist. Yeah, yeah, I thought I had a place, but I I just didn't know how it was going to, um, you know how how were we going to introduce my voice into this, this industry? And, um, you know, again, I, I didn't think it was going to be small town USA, but, but I, I'm certainly glad that I was wrong. You know, what, what is it like the first time you hear your song on the radio? You know, it's, it's emotional. Um, and ironically, the first time I heard myself on the radio was uh, I had I had driven home uh, to visit my mom, my mom and dad, and uh, it was um, Small Town USA, and um, I was I mean it, it it sounds like a country song almost like I had literally turned a corner that once you turn that corner it feels like home like you're home you know i was still 10 minutes from home or whatever um but it was it was that kind of cheesy if you will <laughs> you know like well yeah um, it's, it's where the where the terrain starts to feel exactly like everything you remembered and and now now here comes your own song yeah so but and, and people ask me all the time in interviews like it when your song comes on like do you turn it up or do you turn it off or do you change it or and i crank it up because i remember a long <laughs> i remember a long time where i was hoping i was on the radio you know and, and wasn't we sports writers have a a, a thing sort of like that I, I i wrote for sports illustrated for a while and i remember the first time I saw my name on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I was walking through an airport, and there it was. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and it's it's just it sort of hits you like, "Yeah, so cool." Because because you you thought as a kid, it's what you wanted. But I, I don't know about if you felt this way, but I always thought, "Oh, real people don't get to do that." That's just there's there's a special group of people out there that they get to do it, but us real people don't don't get to do that. Did you ever think about that as you were, you know, learning to play guitar and and thinking of and, and 
hearing songs on the radio. And, well, that's not that's not me. I'm that's how I'm not gonna. Do. Those are you know, Garth Brooks does that. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny that you say that, man. I, I've kind of uh, and I and I've said this to people in the past that like, I guess I've kind of taught myself throughout my career and journey and whatever that this happens to normal people because I still get up, put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else. And my publicist and my record label hates when I say this, but I burp and fart and same stuff everybody else does. You know, I just have a really cool kick-ass job. That's that's the best way to look at it, and 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 the the cranking it up because you you still appreciate how hard it was to get on that radio in the first place. That's a great perspective. And, and the cool thing about it is, you know, I'm I remember probably just like you. I remember my parents telling me you can be and do anything you want to be and do, as long as you put your mind to it and work hard enough and all that. That's exactly what mine said. But when you grow up in a crowd of 300 people like me, you think, well, I can't do that or whatever. But I can look my children in the eye and tell them that and and mean it. You know, I mean, I, I, I grew up in a town of 270 people in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas, and I'm a country music singer. You know, so I can literally tell them they can do that and, and mean it and not just not just be parents speak. You know what I mean? Well, the t- the town has had a population boom since. I mean, uh, including your kids, they're up to like what 293 now. <laughs> yeah, I think you're I think you're about right. <laughs> so but but you're right. My my parents did say the same thing. My parents were high school teachers, you know, we didn't know anybody in the business or anything like that. They just said, "Go, you know, go do what you love to do. You know, do do something that doesn't feel like work." And then if you could make a job out of that and people pay enough to, to eat on, then you're good. Yeah. And I mean, you and I both know this from experience, man. Like the, the, the percentage of the world's population that has the opportunity to, to do something that we love and make money doing it. We're in the minority. I mean, so I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, I'm not getting to do what I love right now. Um, you know, on the scale that I do it. Um, but, you know, when we do, it, it's really kind of amazing when you think about it. So when you're writing songs, are, you know, a lot of it, you mentioned that I could kick your ass was kind of autobiographical with, with your producer. Um, do you sometimes think about different people as sort of the target audience or as the, the subjects? How do you... How do you do that? Do you kind of do you try to put yourself in in someone else's shoes, or do you do you write strictly from from your perspective? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I really never try to. I don't reach out and try to um, touch other people, if that makes sense. Because I learned with Small Town USA. Because again, I reiterate the fact that. I didn't think anybody would be able to relate to that song because I thought it was too personal to me because I wrote it because I was homesick and missing my mom's cooking and her making my bed and all that. 
Um, and then, you know, a lot of people gravitated towards it and it became a big record for us. I learned with that song that if it's personal to me, more than likely it's personal to a lot of other people. So that's the way that I, I approach uh, songwriting is, um, you know, whatever's personal to me is, is personal to somebody out there. I don't know who, but it, it, it's going to be personal to somebody. And and some of those good songs have been written on uh, on Razorback the tour bus, which is that's right the the ultimate. It that that is a sports bar on wheels. That that is an amazing thing. I, I read the Wall Street Journal article about it. Uh, this I I would probably trade my house for this thing. <laughs> you know what's funny? It, 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 all my buddies, you know, at home are like, "Man, oh, it's so cool tour bus." Okay. Yeah, it's cool. But it ain't as cool as your house. I mean, you know, like, it, it's like a giant Petri dish on wheels, you know. Which, which in this day and age, it sounds worse. And it would be terrible, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, but but I, that all that being said, man, I, I, I miss it uh, badly, obviously. Well, have you put the garden in at home? I know you – I saw on Twitter you were, you were getting a, a – plot of land ready to, to plant are you uh what, what are we planting what are we growing here yeah we got the garden in the ground man we got okra purple whole peas tomato squash watermelons this is exactly what my my grandparents had this back in 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 selma alabama my grandparents grew a lot of the same stuff okra uh watermelon eggplant peas and that some of my best memories are, are in the summer, picking that stuff and then helping my grandma snap peas, or uh, you know just going out and thumping watermelons. Your kids are gonna have a blast with that. Yeah, we, you know, and, and we built, uh, we moved back here. Let's see, we moved back here. Oh man, before my oldest daughter was a year, so it was almost ten years ago. We moved back to Arkansas, and uh, we built this house on the property that I grew up on, our forever house. I guess. So you, your you so your parents are, are around too. That, that can they? Oh the yeah, my, my parents. parents I'm and... sitting in my office right now. My parents are like uh, about a, a seven hour away. Wow. Um, and, which is great. It, a lot of times, but a lot of times it's a little too close. <laughs> but uh, but um, no, we we've had we've had uh, ideas uh, of putting in a garden ever since we've been here, which has been almost four years. And uh, we've either used the excuse that we didn't have enough time, or we actually didn't have enough time to do it until now. So you know, one of the positives I, I i guess from this whole thing is that we we actually uh, forced ourselves to go outside and, and plant a garden so well first first harvest you better fry up some of that okra that's oh no doubt that's gonna be no good doubt. stuff that's what and uh yeah the 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 one from from my grandparents garden that i always loved was turnip greens because not many people do turnip greens most people do collard greens mustard greens 
And so every time I'm, I'm in that part of Alabama in the summer, you find a restaurant that does, does the turnip greens, and you go right back there. So that, but that's going to be your kids' memories, too, of doing that that's right, man. with their, their mom and dad. And that's pretty cool. Now, I probably got to let you go, Justin, but, but I do want to ask you, uh, is when they start playing football again, uh, one year or two years – when will Sam Pittman have the Razorbacks in the SEC championship game? Oh, wow. Don't oh, worry about LSU or Alabama or Auburn. They're going to be able to beat him. It's fine. You know, I will say I, 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 I spoke to Sam, I don't know, two or three months ago uh, and said, hey, what are you thinking? Because I I was planning on going to the Notre Dame game. We're playing in South Bend, or allegedly uh, playing in South Bend. Maybe. Um, yeah. And uh, he goes, oh, we're making a bowl this season. And so, uh, which nobody would agree with other than me and him. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, SEC championship, let's say – Year three or four. There you go. There you go. It's good to have a goal. I, I like I mean, that. that, that I like that's, that. Re- that's realistic, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, Nick Saban's probably still going to be at Alabama. Coach O's still – Coach O maybe <laughs> – Coach O may be the governor of Louisiana by then, so LSU may fall off. We'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> hey, they're not going – they're not going – LSU ain't going to catch lightning in a bottle that many times at quarterback, man. Well, it, it's it's the other players they got <laughs> that are the problem most of the time. But hey, but they've but they've always had those other players. This is true. they ain't never had a quarterback till this year. This is true. Yeah, this is it's going to be an interesting if they could get to playing because you know I want to see what does Lane Kiffin do with with John Rice Plumley at Ole Miss. Cause so you're talking you're talking to a Razorback fan that hates LSU. Oh yeah, I know. I know. You know, you, so you, like, you were you were yelling and screaming when Darren McFadden was saying, got that wood, got that wood. Damn right. And, and so, um, you know, and, and my wife is from Homa, Louisiana, which is 50 miles south of New Orleans. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I live with a, a crew of LSU fans, you know. So, um I'm sure no, they were I, very reasonable this year as their team was going to the I will, national I will title. Say, I, I told I told people on uh, on shows that I did, and and even you know my wife's family. It was easy to see that LSU was the best team in America midway through the season, if not before. I mean, they were easily the best team in in the country. Yeah, this is. This is something we, we, we're going to have to have this discussion again, Justin. When, when the world gets back to normal and you're back touring and they're playing football again and Sam Pittman's going to bowl games, we're going to have to do this again. I did, I did tell Sam that uh, if, if he wins like six games this year, they'll build a statue for him. I think – I think that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, hey, after what after what after what we've been through the last few years, man. Uh, absolutely. When when the quarterback you ran off comes back and beats you with Western Kentucky, that's it's a low point. 
Let's let's be honest. And, Andy, we're not we're not speaking about that. <laughs> so, sorry, Ty. Story. That's that, no more pub for you. But but no, I, I I'm I think Sam Pittman, and I said this when we talked to Sam a few months ago on the show. I just think he's the right hire at the right time for Arkansas. He 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 feels like the right fit there. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like people look at it and uh, people from the outside look at it and go, uh, Oh, they hired an O-line coach and, but they're not doing any extensive research. I mean, because he's an incredible coach. He's an incredible recruiter. He's an incredible person, human being. And, uh, all of those things make a, make a big difference. And, and, uh, and again, like we started this conversation out with, it takes something extra at a, at a school like Arkansas. It takes somebody who is just as big a Razorback fan as I am. And he is. Well, I, I can't wait. And, and then hopefully you can pause your tour to be the energy guy off the bench for the basketball team. <laughs> I hope so, man. All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much. It, it's been a pleasure, and we'll be listening, and uh, we're going to have to catch up again when, once everything gets rolling again. Hey, sounds great, man. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It has been a pleasure. The Andy Staple Show goes to the movies paused last week because we had some actual sports to talk about. The NFL draft happened, and we broke it all down for you right after the first round ended on Friday's show. But we got to get back into the movies. Nicole Auerbach, our friend from The Athletic, has requested The Replacements. That's right, one of two movies where Keanu Reeves stars as an ex-Ohio State quarterback. So, Gene Hackman, Keanu, whoa. We'll talk to you on Friday. Here in small town USA Give me a Saturday night, my baby, by my side A little Hank Jr. and a 